We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to share some of our rapid-fire instant reactions to NFL Week 6 here on today's Road of His Overtime. We have Sean Siegel on location, so we're going to try and get into it. Dive in nice and quick, get you a short, concise episode. We'll see then as the schedule goes the rest of the week. But we have some pre-recorded stuff coming your way that hopefully you will enjoy. They will be coming out this Friday, some dynasty strategy conversations. So looking forward to sharing that. And Sean, something we recorded last week that I really enjoyed, a non-football Q&A show. But the listeners will have to wait another week and a half or so for that to come out friday week but we will have a lot of content still coming your way while sean is on location as i mentioned he is really pulling one out here as we sit sean straight off the flight long haul flight and he's ready to go here watching the games as he travels on his uh travels i guess we'll say but sean i'm looking forward to jumping into some of these games with you today how are you feeling at this point in your life (laughs) (laughs) Good, Colin, good. I mean, I haven't slept or eaten in about 36 hours, so so good. Right. I mean, this is going to be 100%. A spoiler for the show that's coming up on the Q&A, Sean mentions not about intermittent fasting, so the, the travel has been good for that process, I, I assume? Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of eating on this trip. It didn't make <laughs> sense to eat the overseas plane We'll just call it food, but it didn't make sense to dive into that when there's so much stuff coming. Usually not the highest quality of food. Uh, my wife, I will, and she won't mind me saying this. I would say the the toughest critic on food on an airplane that you will ever see, and usually that leads to the point where she refuses to take the the tray from the from the cabin crew. So we are going to get into to the NFL action, Sean. I think we'll start this one off. We have a few. Road of his overtime reanimator players that we should talk about at the running back position. Do you want to go the Raheem Mostert route? Do you want to go the, the Travis Etienne route here to kick things off? I think we should go with Raheem Mostert, who we did talk in our show towards the end of last week, the running backs and the running back rankings rest of season. I mentioned that he is somebody that could potentially have been bumped up a tier with the injury to Travis Etienne, and he kind of didn't do anything to to hurt that case in NFL week six as he got into the end zone numerous times this was an interesting game because 
while they they faced off in this one against the Panthers, the Panthers started off 14-0, then they find themselves 28-14 down, and it ends up being 42-21 to the Dolphins, where we have situations where players, you know, are arrested and that, you know, two does come out, Mike White then throws one pass that leads to being an interception for pick six. Mostert, though, 17 for 115 on the ground, two touchdowns going his way, three for 17 and one touchdown in the air. I thought this was, I'd say, of them going 14-0 down, a pretty good performance all around by the Dolphins. Tyreek Hill continues to push towards breaking records, six for 163 and one touchdown for him. Do have a kind of a scary moment where he pulls up, goes out of the game, seemed though to be cramp-related. He comes back in and gets the rest of the job done. We did see some more use of Jalen Waddle in this, which was nice. Nine targets, seven receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown. Very concentrated usage between uh, Hill, Waddle, and then we also did have Ahmed, who had five targets, but outside of that, most are then three targets. Nothing else really happening throughout the rest of the team. But Sean, the Dolphins continued here business as usual. On a weekend, which was where some of the unbeaten teams are now 5-1, and one, where the Dolphins obviously lose a couple of weeks ago, but this week saw... The 49ers drop a, a result. We've seen the Eagles drop a result. So a couple of teams down five and one, but the Dolphins' historic start to the season continues here and shows no real signs of, of letting down, even without Achan and the lineup. And this was one where the Carolina Panthers came out and really took it to them early. Chuba Hubbard looked fantastic on that first drive. He ends up with 88 rushing yards and a touchdown especially if you take the receiving element of it away, he's probably a better pure runner than Miles Sanders. I think he deserves to be a starting running back in the league. He gets a chance this week in a game where you know you're probably going to get game scripted out. Now, he does carry 19 times. Anytime you get 19 carries, you can't argue with that. But the way he was going early had a real chance to put up an epic game. We do continue to see that from Adam Thielen, who gets the early touchdown to put him up 14-0. to He's very involved in the two-minute drill. You get a lot of production from him and then really no production from anywhere else. After his 11 for 115-1, you drop all the way down to DJ Chark at 3 for 26 on the six targets there. Some air yards for Chark that did not manifest in actual receiving yards, but they just really need someone else to jump in there. We'll see what happens if they're able to make any moves. They've talked about adding a true wide receiver one Bryce Young, I thought, took a step back in this one after he looked pretty compelling in garbage time the previous week. Now, obviously, by you know noting that it's garbage time, a little bit different environment there, but for him to come out, average less than six yards per pass, take four sacks, you know, against a, a Miami Dolphins defense that is going to be aggressive at times, it's going to put some pressure on you, but also a team that you can attack, you can score on to get up 14-0 and then, you know. <laughs> lose 42 to seven the rest of the way. That's not what you're looking for there. And Colin, I thought you did a great job of kind of giving a sense of what the Dolphins did. It was a game where they tried to get Jalen Waddell involved. Tyreek Hill was probably open on his touchdown as well. 10 targets for Hill, nine to Waddell. He's not able to make a play on a deep ball. He's not able to make a play on one of those deep intermediate passes. Either play would have been of the highlight variety, but I mean, you just need to see him make some of these plays at some point. In the end here, Tyreek Hill averages 27 yards per catch, Jalen Waddell only seven. I mean, sadly, that gives you a little bit of a sense of the contrast for Raheem Mostert. He adds his third touchdown in the receiving game there. 
I mean, Tua, just unstoppable. You'd love to see even bigger numbers, but he's going to need to be in some shootouts where the other side can hold their own. Again, I mean, you get the 14-0 lead. That gives them a little bit of a path, a little bit of a runway to put up points. Obviously, they get to 42 in the point column. I'm just looking for these games where Tua hits 350, 400, 450 yards passing. Now, in this one, he does get the three TDs, even with the two touchdowns taken away by Raheem Mostert in the running game. Achan not in this one, but again, look, absolutely unstoppable. Carolina Panthers defense is going to be a good matchup for you, but Tua and the Dolphins, especially now that we've seen some of the unbeatens fall, when you get the big upsets, as you just mentioned, it really does sort of rearrange the entire NFL landscape. A week ago, we were talking about 49ers and Eagles possibly in a tier one above even the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you probably have to argue for Chiefs and Dolphins as the two top teams now that we've gotten through week six. And you, you did mention with the, the Dolphins and things like as a fantasy player, the best thing could have happened in this was you're hoping the Panthers stay with the Dolphins enough that they have to put up points. I mentioned, you know, that, that Tua did not have to finish the entire game, but even with that, those 14 points early on do mean that you're going to get, you know, a high powered team that is trying to put up those points, which they did in pretty quick succession once the second quarter started. But you also mentioned Young. I think Young had some of his best passes in this as an NFL player. There's still some concerns there, but you mentioned as well with the wide receivers and the options that are there. You know, you get Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Tommy Tremble, Jonathan Mingo. You, you don't have a huge amount around him. Terrence Marshall, three targets, no receptions in this, but I think that it's also a wide receiver talent issue that's probably putting him in the position that he's in. And Thielen's touchdown in particular was really treading it through a small window. And I guess there'll be other days where we see that interception that happen. But the other player to, to shout out, Thielen, Sean, we've mentioned him a few times. He continues to to look impressive. 13 targets going his way out of the entire 35 for the Panthers. And when we look at two as well, I guess that's the trouble with the run game being so efficient is you know there are 33 carries in this three of those being for mike white for minus four yards one being for two for no yards it's 162 rushing yards and three touchdowns so the, the efficiency of the running game kind of might limit the upside sometimes off the pass game the other game sean that you mentioned there was that eagles game was that jets game the eagles kind of letting this one slip through their fingers 14 points in the first half none in the second half had some big plays throughout but some really crushing interceptions from Jalen Hurts who had three interceptions in this game does have 87 yards on the ground on eight carries one touchdown just the 18 yards for DeAndre Swift on 10 carries in this game which is not what we really want to see does have a fumble that was lost in the game as well has eight receptions though for 40 yards and a touchdown which obviously really really helps in those PPR formats to save that fantasy day we got 11 targets to Devontae Smith, just five for 44. He was really, I felt, open on a deep shot on a play towards the end that just for whatever reason, it was a long throw, but Hart's arm did not get it. There seemed to be, obviously, with the Jets' defensive front putting pressure on him throughout the night, there was a lot of off-balance throws on the back foot that didn't work you know, the way they would have wanted to in a kind of killer interception before the Brees Hall rushing touchdown from there. A.J. Brown, seven for... 131 that connection is still going strong but some some concerns around the eagles and one thing we have to say about the jets they have you know three and three on the season they've had a couple of games where they did not look good at all but zach wilson sean 
Again, nothing spectacular, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but doesn't turn the ball over. 19 of 33, 186 passing yards. Brees Hall, though, gets that late touchdown off the turnover, 12 for 39 rushing yards. Again, lower than we would like, but gets the touchdown, gets five targets, five receptions, 44 yards. We guard Wilson, eight for 90 off 12 targets. It did look like he had a non-contact injury at one point in this game, but does come back in. So that was a positive sign. This was a week where there was both injuries and there was fear of injuries where players then were able to make their way back to give us a little bit of relief. And a game, though, Sean, where players went out and didn't come back with the San Francisco 49ers dropping their game to the Browns. The Browns just, they're a tough watch at all times. But Amari Cooper with a few big catches in this. He did have a 58-yard reception, a couple of contested catches, four for 108 on eight targets for him. P.J. Walker and at the starting quarterback that throws two interceptions, Sean, 18 to 34, 192 yards. The one thing I will say is, the offense doesn't look any worse with PJ Walker than it does with Deshaun Watson. And I think that tells you all you know about how Watson's season is going thus far. On the other side, 10 targets for Brant Nayuk, just four receptions, 76 yards, gets a lot of that production in the final drive as they look to try and t- uh, win this game with a field goal. The field goal is missed at the buzzer. We do get Brock Purdy having one of his toughest days 12 of 27 for one, two, five, one touchdown, one interception. Christian McCaffrey goes out in this one with an injury after he is receiving touchdown we get an injury as well to Debo Samuel so they will both be evaluated till we see the level of concern for those guys but this was a game where not good not a good watch not a good watch so uh the the Niners losing 17-19 to the Browns that leads to those two undefeated records going on the same weekend one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and you Use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. And Colin, those two upsets give us a real sense of just how tight these NFL games are. And if you don't execute, if you don't completely blow the other team out, then you get caught in some of these situations here, right? You look at the the box score from this game, and it's pretty crazy because the Eagles do what they do. They pick up seven out of their 14 third downs. The contrast there is obviously not expecting the Jets to. They only pick up two out of 11. The Eagles are one for two on fourth. The Jets also don't accomplish that. In a yards per play basis, the Eagles are up there at five. Again, that's kind of what we expect from them. The Jets down at 4.1. I mean, this is a very lopsided game until you get to the turnovers. That 4-0 to zero turnover margin, it's going to be difficult to win those games. Now, they could have here except for the very last one, and it's great to see Brees Hall punch in that touchdown run. I mean, there, there are some holes there. There's a path for him to get through, but most running backs, I believe, would still not have scored that touchdown, even in a game where he is more or less bottled up. We know it's very difficult to run against this Philadelphia Eagles front. So even in a game where he goes 12 for 39 overall, he still makes the key run. He still punches it in. And you had mentioned on the Swift side that eight for 40 and one, really everything you need on the receiving side for Swift. Also pretty true for Brees Hall. Now you need that touchdown, but the fact that he goes five for 54, the fact that the Jets, even as they are a bad offense and an offense that's not going to gain many yards for you, you love to see the fact that they've leaned into their playmakers for this game and the vast majority of the touches are to Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson really not hardly anything else to any other player and it ends up being just enough with how well that defense plays you get a little bit of the same thing in that Cleveland 49ers game and it's interesting as I was choosing the games in that first wave watching them on my tablet at the airport there the 49ers game was not one that I opted for for the reasons that you mentioned, where you've got this backup quarterback. And so to go with P.J. Walker to spring the upset in this game, it does reinforce the fact that, yes, Brock Purdy is good. We talked a little bit about that last week because you know you have these comments of if Mac Jones played for the 49ers, he'd be doing the same thing. You have a game here where he's 12 for 27. He throws a pick. He takes three sacks. I mean... We've got to hold the superlatives a little bit until we see him do something when the game is on him, as opposed to all of his teammates. You lose a Christian McCaffrey in this one, you lose a Debo Samuel, and suddenly the team doesn't have the same amount of talent. He's got to go through and make plays, get the ball to Brandon Ayuk, get the ball to George Kittle, who only has one catch for one yard. Now, we know that the Cleveland defense has played extremely well at times, and yet there's still... There's no excuse for this. Yeah, only two targets to Kittle. Like in a game where you do lose McCaffrey pretty early, and you also lose Debo Samuel, you need to be getting more than two targets the way of you know your your star tight end. 
the other part of this is this is kind of i think a perfect storm so it's not a case of brock party is bad or brock party is the best quarterback in the nfl last week being the best and this week being the worst it's more a case of the browns defense is very tough they're playing in cleveland there's weather conditions during the game that are not not constantly affecting the game but throughout it all and there's a lot of the game plan that has gone out the window with that christian mccaffrey injury so you do need to be able to adapt but i do think that this is there's more to this than than just the box score and we've got to give some credit to jerome ford as well he doesn't get the touchdown in this game but goes over 80 yards against again this fierce 49ers defense it wasn't just the turnovers in this one because the 49ers are able to force a couple of mistakes from pj walker as well i mean the cleveland browns with really the guy they wanted to be their third string quarterback dominate in terms of yardage in this game neither team has any ability to convert on third down you perhaps would expect that within the context of the rest of this contact contest but i mean four for 76 brandon Ayuk. He's the guy who's been a rising star. He's the guy who comes in with the really elite yards per route numbers. If you don't have Debo Samuel, I mean, Brandon Ayuk has got to get it done. This one I think is also on Kyle Shanahan in that the head coach simply cannot let his playmakers get schemed out. Talks about having a lot of things in for this game. When you have the injuries, then you have the backups go in, made some mistakes. They're not executing. Again, it's got to go through your stars. It can't be something where you're trying to show your scheme is that dominant that I think George Kittle not being involved. He's been a huge disappointment in the 2023 season, does have the big game in there. But for the 49ers to be a team that is on par with the Eagles, who are just very similar and yet have a more dynamic quarterback, if they're going to be on par with the Kansas City Chiefs, with the Buffalo Bills, I mean, you got to get your playmakers involved. And so they lose some guys in this one. We go back and just every week, as you mentioned, things seem very different. They probably aren't that different, but I'm going to go ahead and say that I mean, Christian McCaffrey, it's not that he doesn't get quite a bit of work in this game before he goes out, but when you don't have him, I mean, things are completely and totally different. We have to remember that when we're giving praise to Kyle Shanahan, to Brock Purdy, that, I mean, this is really still Christian McCaffrey's team. You hope that the injury situation for him and a couple of the other guys who went out on Sunday turns out to be not as big a deal as maybe it feels certainly if you're playing in them in fantasy but for these reality teams as well the Bengals and the seahawks an interesting game low score what what are we thinking here on both of these offenses i'll let you get in give your thoughts but kenneth walker is probably the, the the my favorite takeaway from this game but hit me with your thoughts on the the Bengals scraping out the win here against the Seahawks. Both teams now three wins on the season. Colin Kenneth Walker did Kenneth Walker types of things here where there's a lot of running back and forth, probably not as much downhill running as his team would like to see. And yet sometimes those holes aren't there. Another long run of 21 yards. He gets the touchdown early on in the short yardage situation. Obviously, Zach Charbonnet fans hoping that We'll get some changes there, but only two carries, only five yards for him in this one. Now, he does get a couple of receptions. He was in in kind of switching some time around there in the two-minute drill and when Walker had gotten gassed a little bit. But this remains almost exclusively Walker. Also, three catches for 27 yards. That doesn't quite match what we're talking about with some of the 
star players earlier in the show, but because one of these catches was of the highlight variety where he has to reach up and stab the ball with one handed as he's twirling to react to a bad pass. I mean, those things are going to stick in the coach's mind. Any idea that Walker can't catch or isn't a good receiver, that part probably not true. Although again, there's still a difference between a one-off highlight reception and being as intuitive as you need to be to truly be an elite back as a receiver. But the thing that really pops up in this game, even though the numbers on the surface look decent, I mean, Geno Smith throws for over 300 yards, good average on a per play basis, but he takes four sacks. He throws two picks. One of them, I would say both a terrible pick and an incredible highlight interception where the ball was really to no one. And you get a defensive back who is diving back away from the direction of his momentum and makes the two-handed grab fully horizontal, really the game-changing play in this particular contest. 17-13, the Seahawks were down in the red zone or close to the red zone the entire second half with a chance to push it through and either turnovers or the decision to go for it cost them this game. And they, they moved the ball too easily and too well to only get 13 points. A big game for Tyler Lockett, a decent game for DK Metcalf, who caught a number of balls down the field. So for both of those guys, I should say, Smith made some extraordinary passes where he got the ball in over the defense, dumped it in there deep, you know, almost like a handoff, these beautiful passes that very few quarterbacks can make, and yet also continue to display the things that have been holding this offense back, where his reads on passes over the middle, his reads on more normal plays when he doesn't have either Lockett or Metcalf vertical, those plays he really struggled. JSN, a little bit more involved in this game, has the five tar targets, and most importantly, catches four of them and gets some yards per reception value. Managers will know that he's been getting targeted on their completed passes. Obviously, Drew Locke went in there and threw to him down the field several times, but the completed passes have been under the middle. He gets a little bit more depth. He gets a little bit more yardage in this game, and yet the Seahawks lost this game when Smith is not able to pull the trigger on a play where he was open behind the defense late, a pass that could have gone to the corner for a touchdown. I mean, there's a guy vaguely coming into his vicinity, possibly over the top, but if Smith pulls the trigger instantly, he's wide open. It is a touchdown. Smith and Jigba was getting open at will in this game. They really needed to feature him more, both a higher route percentage that continues to be an issue, and then Smith has to pull the trigger. The backup quarterback did. As soon as he went in there, he found Smith and Jigba open multiple times. Now, did he hit him on those passes? That's where Locke starts to run into some issues. But Column, the Seahawks here played a pretty strong game on the road at the Cincinnati Bengals. They locked down Jamar Chase in the second half after he you know, ran roughshod over them in the first stanza. Again, Joe Mixon does nothing. The backup receivers or the complementary receivers do nothing outside of Tyler Boyd's early score. This is another nightmarish performance from T. Higgins, who both doesn't draw targets and either commits drops or offensive pass interferences when he does. You can't hold Joe Burrow to 185 yards, pick him off, and still lose this game. It's a fun game between two playoff caliber teams, and yet this was a chance for the Seahawks to do the AFC a little bit of a favor and put the dagger in the Bengals. It was also a chance for them to pull a game back on the 49ers and be right there with them. Obviously, it'd be a half game back, but you'd be 
tied in the loss column. I really think this is a heartbreaking loss for Seattle, who had no business losing this game. Great defensive performance on their side. Yeah, so they get over the the line again this week, Sean. I think one of the big takeaways is when we look through, you know, the the high frequency of points that we would have seen, kind of from week two to week five. We did. I, I wouldn't say came back to you know what week one was, but there was less of those either incredible singular performances I, I know we're not going to see this every week but like jamar chase let's say in week five we get dj Moore, we get some huge huge performances this week there were some very good performances but not the spectacular nature and some of the games like the cincinnati game that we mentioned uh we might on our second show this week get into you know minnesota for example there's there's games where it's in the low teens kind of maybe into the 20s we're not seeing a huge amount of those 70 point plus games this particular week but looking forward to getting into some more games on the second show of the week we are going to put it there we're aware of sean's time he is on location we're going to get this one in the books get it out quick for people to be able to listen to and hopefully they will enjoy it if you are signing up over at rotaways you can use that code rv radio 2023 at checkout give yourself a 10 percent discount of a rotaways nfl pass get you access to all of the content and tools up on rotaways.com sean we will be back with that edition. I'm hoping to drop it on Tuesday rather than the regular Wednesday time. So that is a reason for people to make sure they are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed to get it instantly. Who knows if you leave a written and review, maybe, maybe Sean, it'll come out quicker if they leave written and reviews. How do, how do you think about that? Come on, you're, you're all over these. I don't know if you can get them out quicker than you do, but certainly we appreciate all of those from the listeners. It helps us with the algorithm and as people know, the algorithm is all in 2023. We thank you guys, and it just means so much to us that you listen and that you chime in with those. Like I say, it, it is a big help. Yeah, so we're going to let Sean go. We're going to let him get some sleep. We're going to get him, let him get some food after his long travel of almost two days, but we will have that other show to drop for you, so make sure you are subscribe to get that once it is available. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over Tomorrow, and my co-host is Sean Siegel. Good luck on Monday Night Football. Hopefully the results go your way to get those wins. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.